come and uh, and uh, share and have breakfast with you too. And uh, my name is Dave Spurgeon, like the preacher said. Some of you I've known for a long time, and some of you I met today. But uh, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we're brothers. And if you're not saved in here, you need to be. I'll just start right there. And you can be. Amen. And uh, so let me uh, put all this on. I like that. Uh, Proud of our safe and bully-free school. I I feel safe. I feel safe uh, totally. Amen. And uh, I like to feel safe. So, uh, and then bully free. I like that. Uh, I don't like bullies. Amen. I don't like bullies. I never did. When I came out of the paratroopers and uh, got my first Harley, I moved into a local bar uh, and kind of resided there. And uh, I got my thrill uh, out of, I was out in the country. I got a real thrill out of uh, checking the, the, the bullies that came in from the city. And uh, they like to push people around. I don't like that. I don't like that because the devil's a stinking bully. And what I know about bullies is uh, they'll push around, they'll bully who they, who they can. And so don't let them. And it's a crying shame that sometimes the devil gets away with bullying even Christians. And it, it ought not be that way. Uh, but... but the fact of the matter is, you know, when uh, the preacher's asking for blessings, what a blessing that we have a Bible. Amen. Yeah, Thank God for the gift of eternal life. I got saved in a jail cell, 6 o'clock in the morning, 31 years ago. I come into church uh, three weeks later, ponytail, you know, on my way to federal prison. And Christians there, they roll their eyes, you know, they, uh, let's see how long this guy lasts. <laughs> You know, there are a lot of people come and go, and I, I didn't know how long I was going to last either. I had no clue what I was getting into. But, I, but here's what I saw, and it affected me, and it affects me still. Uh, I saw a group of men, real men, and ladies too, that believed that book, that were tapped into the preaching of God's word. Amen. And uh, I looked around, and I said, this is what I've been looking for all my life. Something real, man. Some of us took the long way around the barn trying to find something worth committing our life to. And he was there the whole time saying, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, I didn't get saved until I was almost 38. And, uh, and if I could do it all over again, I, I wish I'd have got saved as a kid okay. and done right. But I didn't. But I didn't. But the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 8, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And I like, no matter what kind of start you had, rough start, late start, by the grace of Jesus Christ, you can finish right. Amen. Amen. So I want to finish. I want to finish. He finished. He finished what he went to Calvary to do for me. And I owe him. And I'm flesh just like everybody else. And I got a boatload of bad habits. I mean, I, I had a doctorate degree in sin. I mean, I was working on my second doctorate. And so I got every kind of temptation that anybody could have. And what keeps me straight is Jesus Christ. And when I say that, I'm talking about his church. That's the fellowship of the brethren. The Bible says iron sharpeneth iron, and so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. Amen. This is cool. This is neat. This is, I need this. I need the fellowship of God's people, and so do you. 
We need to stay on our knees. We need to stay in prayer. We need to stay in contact. If you got saved, it's because you called upon the name of the Lord and he saved you. He promised he would. Amen. Well, calling on the name of the Lord doesn't end then. It's a habit. It needs to become a habit, uh, nurtured and developed. I mean, you ought to be able to talk to God as second nature, Amen. not just when you're in trouble. Amen. And if you'll get a hold of that, and then I mean develop a relationship with this book, and God will direct your trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Some of you, like me, have taken the long way. I'll say it again because, like, you guys know what a barn is. I know we're in this city, kind of. Some of you have taken the long way around uh, around a barn to get to where you are right now. Amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you what will help that right there is develop a close relationship with that Bible. Because he says, lean not unto thine own understanding. I've been guilty of that. Who else has been guilty of that? (laughs) If you don't raise your hand, you're lying, okay? Because that's how we are. That's how we're wired. But he says if we can trust in the Lord, that'll counter that. And in all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy path. (laughs) I could direct my path right off the Verrazano Bridge, right? I mean, that's me, man. I mean, I, I engineered a shipwreck, train wreck for 37 years. I need God to direct my path. And I've been saved 31 years. I've been full-time on the road now, 25. Amen. That's a miracle. And I got news for you. If I didn't let God direct my path, I'd have crashed and burned a long time ago. And I want to just acknowledge that before I even, this is just my hello. Hello. (laughs) Take your Bible and go to because we're not just going to talk about the Bible. We're actually going to look in the Bible. This is a cute little podium. I almost have enough room for my Bible and my, my notes. And I'd say, oh, you need notes? Listen, if you had any idea what's going on up here, you'd be glad I got notes. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And uh, uh, Joshua tonight, today, whatever it is, chapter 10. What a beautiful day the Lord has given us. And every day the Lord gives us is a gift and a blessing. We ought to be glad and rejoice in it. But I like sunshine. I like, you know, it doesn't have to be 70, but I like the sun being out. What a, what a spring we've had. Amen. So I really, this is a great day, and I think it's going to be nice tomorrow. So Joshua chapter 10 and verse 7 says this, so Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor, all right? So this is a men's breakfast, and uh, so my wife is over in Staten Island right now. Maybe she's preaching to the mighty women, but I don't know what she's talking about. But what I want to talk to you about is mighty men, mighty men of God. That's what it said. It said, and all the mighty men of valor. So that's our, that's our, our subject this morning. Let's pray again. Father, by your grace, we thank you for the privilege uh, to meet the freedom that we still have in America. Bless those that have put their lives on the line and are even now so that we can have this freedom that, to our shame, we greatly take for granted. Help us use the opportunities that you give us to proclaim the glorious gospel, uh, redeem the time because the days are evil. May we get something this morning (coughs) 
to help nurture our desire to do that. Please help me to think clearly and you know how much help I need to do that, Lord. So we're just going to give you all the credit for what's already been done and what, we, Lord willing, will be done today for your honor and glory. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So the subject is mighty men. Uh, it's in the Bible. We're going to see it a bunch of times. And uh, I feel like addressing it because there's a great misconception out there. You know what I'm talking about? Out there, wherever that is. And, and here's the misconception that Christians these days are a bunch of wimps. That's why men will stay away from it, because Christianity is looked at as being a little feminine, and uh, Christians are a bunch of limp-wristed uh, wimps. Let me tell you something. That ain't the crowd I, I hooked Amen. up with. Amen. But I'm going to tell you why people think that way. Because so many are. And I'm going to tell you what, God didn't make a wimp out of me when he saved me. He made a real man out of me. Amen. And I'm going to tell you what I'm talking about. A real man admits when he makes a mistake. A real man gets right when he's wrong. And we live in a day and age where everybody's got somebody to blame and everybody's a victim. And that stuff makes me want to puke. Sorry, I know you just ate. I'm not really sorry. Because we got all men. Amen. And so uh, 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 the toughest, the bravest, the most courageous... Men and women I ever met live for God, have decided to follow Jesus. 31 years ago, I decided to follow Jesus. I had no clue what I was getting in on, but I'm glad he took me. Amen. So I want to talk about mighty men uh, this morning. Uh, Go to 2 Samuel 23. And if you got somebody by you that's, you know, not zipping through their Bible like you can, then you help them out. These days, people come to church with the, their Bible on their phone. And I, I'm, I'm way behind, and, uh, and, uh, and I understand that people do that. When I first saw that, I'm in a church in Indianapolis preaching, and we got a police officer and his wife... And she's also a police officer. And uh, their friend, the pastor, had got them to come. They were newly saved. And I'm sitting there preaching away. And they're both sitting there looking at their phone. And it's annoying me. And finally I said, you know, ma'am, sir, we're glad you're here. But you'd do better off if you just put your phone away and open your Bible. (laughs) And so they never came back because the preacher offended them. Amen. We're knuckleheads sometimes. We need to, we grow in knowledge and we need to, because some of us were dumber than a box of rocks. If that's you, say amen. amen. Uh, but we need to grow in grace then. When you grow in knowledge, you learn that grace is even listed first. <laughs> amen. So by the grace of God, we've learned a little bit. And uh, it's not so much about us. It's about him. Amen. Man, he was full of grace amen. and truth. All right, so 2 Samuel 23 and verse number one says this. Now, these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, uh, and the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist 
of Israel. Amen. This is David. This is, we're talking about mighty men. This is the commander. This is the mighty of the mighty men. Amen. He said in verse two, the spirit of the Lord uh, spake by me and his word was in my tongue. It said, these are the last words. You know, we have an expression in our, in our culture, uh, last, last word, last will and testament, last words. You know what I mean? In other words, what a person's last words, I mean, when you're right down the wire, you're getting ready to step into eternity. The things that are most on your mind are the things that were most important to you. In life, you know, he's not down to the down to the last words that says, oh, yeah, maybe I'm getting ready to die. Make sure you get an oil change on my car next. But no, no, he's talking about what matters. You know what matters? Family. You know what matters to David? Look in verse three. Look at verse eight. I'm sorry. And we won't read everything. So verse eight says this. These be the names of what? The mighty men whom David had. He's down to the wire and he wants to give recognition to who? His mighty men. Mighty men of God. All right. Uh, we'll finish the verse. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tachmanite that sat in the seat chief among the captains. The same was Adino the Esnite. He lift up his spear against eight Hundred, whom he slew at one time. Well, if they were having a, a, a vote for mighty men, this guy would get my vote. I mean, that's pretty serious. His name's Adino, so he's probably Italian. Is that Italian? I guess. Amen. I have no idea what an Esnite is, but uh, I know this. David mentioned him here. In his last words, these are the things that are on his heart. Those that were faithful to him. And then verse 9. And after him was Eleazar, the son of uh, Dodo, <laughs> the Ahohite. <laughs> Somebody said, well, are you sure that's Dodo? And I said, well, think of the alternative. <laughs> you know. So, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. Uh, this is Eleazar in verse 10. He's talking about he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only to spoil. So they let him do all the fighting. But they wanted to come back and split up what was left. Well, I, I know some of them folks. It says his hand clave to the sword. I mean, that means, I mean, it was cramped. I mean, he was, he was at it. I mean, 800, that'd keep you busy. And I mean, they had to pry his hands. You ever had a cramp like that from, from working hard or, or, get, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Texting, I think that's what does it these days. Amen. So these are, listen, uh, chapter 23 is, is David recalling this stuff in verse 15. And David longed and said, oh, that one would give me, uh, a drink of water of the well of Bethlehem, which is at the gate. That reminds me. I think I'll have a drink of water too. Bible says it's cold water from a far country. It's cold water to a thirsty soul. So it's good news from a far country. Amen. Yeah, Bible's right again. How about that? Amen. Every single time. 
Amen. And so then verse 26, and the three mighty men break through the host, break through the host yeah, of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. And these guys, I mean, they, he said it and they went and got it. Nevertheless, uh, and nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. Verse 17, he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of those men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things that, I'll tell you what, he might not have drunk, drank it. They might have wondered what's up with that. But when he's at the end of his life talking to God about people that made a difference that mattered, uh, he brought them up. He brought them up. He never forgot it. What are you trying to say? You know what I mean? You, look what it says. Let me see. Um, verse 20, 16 said again, these, the, it says, and the three mighty men. These guys work together. They work together as a team. Amen. Brother Jason knows the importance uh, of working together with a team. These guys are like an infantry a platoon or even fire squad. Amen. They got each other's back. They're covering each other. They're working together, seeing what needs to be done and doing what needs to be done to accomplish the mission. That's the way a local church ought to be. We're not competing with each other. We're working together to accomplish. The Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good uh, to them that love God, to them are the called according to His purpose. You got an agenda? Check it. Check it at the door. Leave it at work. Amen. This is, this is God's work. This is about God's business. Let me tell you some things about mighty men. Uh, 2 Samuel 23, look at verse 11. It says this, And after him was Shema, the son of Aji, of the, Her- the Herahite. Her- Herahite. Man, this is like, I mean, the first time I came to Staten Island. I mean, 20 years ago. And I'm sitting in there on a Wednesday night. And the pastor's up there and he's taking prayer requests. And every single name, I mean, was Italian. I'm Irish. Every name from Ohio, amen, every name was Italian. Every name had at least four syllables, it seemed like it to me. And he's pronouncing them all flawlessly, and my mind's getting ready to explode. There's no way I can write them down, you know, because it just, and I'm a, I thought this to myself, one day, when brother, brother gets to heaven, there's going to be a crown specifically for anybody that can remember all these Italian names. Amen. Now I've been coming there a long time and I got it. I know a bunch of them. I still can't spell them. But, uh, but uh, I get reading the Bible. It's the same way. I'm going, Harold Rahu. I don't even know. But I know this. I know this. God knows. <laughs> all right. Almost too much liberty here. We're going to try to, okay, we're not going to tone it back. It says, and the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled. Philistines were bad boys. They had some giants, remember? They didn't have Goliath. He's gone by now. But, uh, and the people fled from the Philistines. And we're talking about shame. Verse 12 said this, but he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. I'm not sure if I know what a lentil is. I thought it was some kind of bean or something, right? Is that right? Some of you know what lentil soup is. Eli, you got to know. Seems like, seems like something you would know. Because I mean, these are Jews, okay? So, 
I don't know what's so special, but I'm pretty sure even if I was willing to fight for the Lord, I don't think I'd go up against a troop of Philistines over a field of lentils. I don't even, I don't think so. Amen. But I wouldn't have went after a lion to take a lamb out of his mouth like David did either. I'd have protected the other lambs and said, all right, say goodbye to your brother because he's lunch for that bear. I'm just being honest with you. Here's the point. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Shema went up against them when he's, he's alone. And I'm going to tell you something about mighty men of God. Uh, they're mighty even when they're alone. Amen. Now, it's good to be around other Christians as much as possible. And I already mentioned the importance, iron sharpening iron. It makes it easier to do right when somebody's around you. The Bible says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and unto good works. And again, we need each other. But we're not, we're talking about kicking it up a notch now. And we're talking about maybe qualifying to be a mighty man of God. And a truly brave man is courageous even when no one's watching. Amen. 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 And what ought to make it easier for the Christian is that, uh, is that there is never a time when no one is watching. Amen. Here's what it says in uh, Proverbs 15 and 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. He don't miss either. Amen. So when uh, you're tempted to look at something you shouldn't look at or go somewhere you shouldn't because you think you, nobody knows you around there or everybody's asleep in the house and nobody knows, you're only fooling yourself because God knows. And I'm just trying to just remind you of something that you both already know. Amen. It helps me. It helps me. There was a song I hear, heard years ago up in Riverdale. Matter of fact, and uh, the preacher's wife sang it, and, uh, and I don't know who wrote it, I don't care. Does he still feel the nails every time I fail? And you know, the concept, man, I got a hold of it. I, I, I put a, a piece of paper uh, with, with uh, I taped it right at the top of my computer screen, and it said, does he still feel the nails? Amen. Because, you know, that's a place of temptation for a man. The devil knows he's made it easy for us. And uh, I need to be reminded, Jesus Christ went to the cross for, so that I, my sins could be forgiven. What are you still sinning? That helps me. Just thinking about it helps me. Amen. Because the Lord's always watching. But the devil's always watching too. It says in Revelation 12, in verse 10, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ, colon, for the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before God, Day and night. Remember, uh, remember Satan presenting himself before the angels of God in Job 1. And uh, the angels of God are coming and Satan's going, what about him? And talking about Job then. And uh, don't you think that's what he's still in the business of doing? Because that right there hasn't happened yet. That's future. And he's up there, and I don't want him up there saying, look, at Spurgeon. He claims to be a Christian, and look what he's doing. Look what he's doing when he thinks no one's watching. And I know God tells him to shut up. I know that God says that my sins are under the blood. 
but I wonder what God thinks. He's like, are you kidding me? How many times does God have to say, are you kidding me? Over us. Not them. They don't know any better. And we name the name of Jesus when it's convenient for us. And I'm trying to help you here. I'm trying to help you to enlist, to sign up, uh, to go above and beyond, to be a mighty man for God. And a mighty man for God is is courageous, is mighty, even when he's alone. Because you're never alone. I mean, come on. The world is watching. I mean, there are cameras everywhere. Literally. It's not just the world's watching you Christians to see. I mean, there's cameras everywhere. Every, I mean, everywhere. I mean, every one of you probably got one in your possession. Why is your phone red, Brother Spurgeon? Because I slammed my black one in the door of my Jeep. Amen. So I got to have something I can see. I'm thinking about yellow next. Leave me alone. Amen. People got, I mean, all the time on the news, people are getting video doing stuff. Listen, I was a criminal for 15 years. I got saved just in time because ain't nobody getting away with nothing these days. Amen. How's a lawyer? You pay a lawyer and he's going to say, no, that isn't my, they're going, well, it looks like him, (laughs) you know. Amen. The world is watching. I want you to uh, consider the importance of, uh, of uh, understanding that you need to, yeah, listen, you get nurtured here, you get a great here, but you need to get to a place where, bless God, you're going to do right because it's right because you're a child of God uh, uh, no matter where you are. And uh, maybe if the God's watching and the devil's watching and the world's watching, maybe you and I ought to be a little more concerned with what we're watching. Amen. 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 All right, um, Psalm 33. Psalm 33. And look with me at verse 16. Now we're talking about mighty men. Some of you guys, I see you go to the gym, you know, and all that, and I'm, that's fine. But I just wanted to, the, what I'm talking about is that the crew I'm talking about trying to encourage you to be a part of. Uh, uh, It ain't you, man. It's him. Psalm 33, verse 16. There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A mighty man is delivered by God Almighty. And he's careful and not reluctant to give God the glory. Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'm I'm 69 years old, and I'm here to tell you I can talk a good game. The last thing I want to do is get in a fist fight. I mean, I don't heal up like I did when I was in my 30s. I don't want to fall off my Harley. I slow down. I take it easy. Amen. But I'm going to tell you what, when it comes to the spiritual battle, my confidence isn't in myself or my experience. My strength is in the Lord and so needs yours to be. Amen. Amen. Mighty men of God. Amen. I think it's kind of appropriate for a men's breakfast. Amen. It's the Lord that makes makes them mighty. They trusted God. They did. We do. We still do. All right. All right. First Kings chapter one. 
First Kings chapter one, couple more attributes. And let me see, let me go there. Verse, uh, yeah, First Kings chapter one. Say what first? Well, I'm going to find it before I tell you. It was in there the other day, I promise. First Kings chapter one and verse number eight. Let's see what that says. That's a long chapter. That's a very long chapter. That's the longest chapter. Oh. All right, uh, verse eight. First Kings chapter I don't know what I said. What did I say? Yeah, that's what I thought, because I confused myself. First King chapter 8 is a great chapter, but that's just not where I want this first. First King chapter 1. Yeah, and this, you know, it happened. The older you get, you know, this is not going to get better. Some of you already know. Some of you, pay attention. Uh, first King chapter 1, verse number 8. I hope... Here we go, a bunch of names again. But Zadok the priest and Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, Jehoiada, and Nathan the prophet, and Shemaiah, and Reah, and the mighty men which longed, which belonged to David. We're talking about David's mighty men. And there was a rebellion rose in the house of David, even his own son, Adonijah, got very full of himself. And so the point, that's the context, but the verse finishes with these words, all them guys, I'm not going to read them again, uh, were not with Adonijah. So what does that tell you, brother? It tells me that mighty men are loyal. They're loyal. You need to get a hold of some loyalty in here. Find out what God wants and then tenaciously just stick to it. Amen. Uh, I... I, I I, I, some people I know, I travel all around all 50 states, and some people are like grasshoppers, man. I don't know where they're going to be next year. They're just hopping around. You need to find out where you're supposed to be and lock in. I believe that with all my heart. And uh, Joel chapter 2 and verse 7 says, They shall run like mighty men. Uh, they shall climb the wall like men of war. And they shall march everyone on his ways, and they shall not break ranks. Amen. 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 We need to be in rank. Mighty men are loyal. Mighty men are hard workers. Let me just give you a verse. First Kings eleven twenty eight. And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon was seeing the young man that he was industrious. And he made him ruler over all the, over all the charge of the house of Joseph. He was industrious. Mighty men aren't lazy. Well, mighty men aren't couch potatoes. Mighty men aren't just people that have thrown out verses, trying to impress you, and I'm going to say no. That thing says, uh, 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 let me make sure I say it right. Uh, oh, it was Solomon seeing it was Jeroboam. He was, uh, he was, I got the same problem, brother. I understand. And uh, <laughs> next year we'll turn it around and then. So, but, uh, but uh, he was industrious. So you don't want to be a lazy man. I know a preacher in Houston said, I don't think God would save a lazy man. Well, he's wrong because I was. Amen. I was a lazy man for a long time. I was out on the street, didn't work a job, always playing angles, manipulating. 
Amen. And when I got saved, I found out time to buckle down and, and, and find what you're supposed to do, which, okay, I'm in the ministry now, but it wasn't that way for years and years. You got to work. And you got to be a good testimony where you work. And you got to be faithful. And you got to be industrious. If you're ever going to be a mighty man for God, you can't be a slothful at work. That's in there somewhere. Look it up. First Chronicles chapter 11. Go ahead and go there. Let me make sure I said it right. One Chronicle, not Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter 11. <laughs> I confuse myself. I'm my own biggest enemy, I'm telling you. So are you. Isn't that something? No matter how long you're saved, I'll tell you what, when you find out when you've been saved any time at all, you walked with God any time at all, you got any victory over any time at all, you get up in the bathroom, you get up in the morning and you look in the bathroom mirror and you realize that you're looking at your biggest enemy. Not your wife, not your kids, not your parents, not the, not the lost. And this world is very lost. My biggest hindrance to living in a way that will glorify Jesus Christ is me. And once I got a hold of that, I quit puffing my chest out and just humble. In, and then God can use a humble vessel. Amen. First Chronicles chapter 11 and verse 10. These also are the chief of the mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom and with all Israel to make him king. Well, look what it says. According to the word of of the Lord concerning Israel. A Bible believer, I mean, about, not by, uh, 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 a mighty man of God takes God at his word, knows his word, conducts himself according to the word of the Lord. We got a lot of loose cannons these days that claim to be Christians. Amen? Amen. And uh, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not, not second-guessing anybody's salvation. God made it easy enough for an old dope-addict convict to get saved in jail. If you're uh, smart enough to admit that you're a sinner, and if you're unsure about that, let me help you with that. You're a sinner. And you say, well, you don't know me. No, I don't. I don't. But I got a Bible that says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So that tells me, man, this thing across the board, big sins, little sin, there'll be no sin in heaven. So we all need this. Amen. And we all need this and we need this and we need to conduct ourselves according to the word of the Lord because it's God's opinion that counts. All right. So uh, I just say a few more things, you know, because I'm a preacher and I've been up here a half an hour. It's not long enough. So. Is some things that I see uh, traveling around. Uh, there's some mighty men of God that served and set good examples and have gone on. Gone on. Some of them are preachers. Amen. Mel Sabaka. Some of your uh, lives were affected intensely by Brother Mel Sabaka or your parents were. Maybe some of you like me. You know of him. I never met him. Amen. But I still hear people talking about him, and I still, still hear about the influence that he had on this part of the country. And let me just, I can't help myself, let me just throw this in. He came from central Ohio 46 years ago because he looked at this area as a mission field. And he brought a group of men with him, and some of them are still over there in Staten Island 
Amen. Uh, still living for God, doing something for God. What a mighty man. I've got some on my list, some names you might not know. Let me give you a couple. Mighty, mighty, a man, mighty man of God. His name was Joe Spurgeon. No, you mean Charles Spurgeon. No, he was that English preacher. He was definitely a mighty man of God. But Joe Spurgeon was my dad. And buddy, he lived right, and he set a good example, and he's my hero, and uh, I appreciate, and, and he never, he never condoned all that foolishness I got in. But somehow, he also never caused me to wonder whether or not he loved me. Amen. And I don't even understand how you do that. But he loved me unconditionally. That's kind of like God. He does not condone our foolishness, but that love that he has for us says, come on back. <laughs> Bible says a just man falleth seven times and rise up again. I push that limit, I know. But there's some mighty men that have gone on. Amen. And I, let me just say, women too. I thank God for a praying mother. I thank God for a praying grandmother. I thank God for a, for a wife that's uh, just as dedicated to serving Jesus Christ 25 years on the road all over the country as I am. It's easy for me. I've been a gypsy all my life. Amen. I've been on the road since I went into paratroopers when I was 18. But, but, but she's got 11 grandkids and almost 12. Three weeks. Pray for my daughter. Amen. Amen. That's why I'm going home to Ohio uh, tomorrow. I'd love to hang out, you know. But uh, got a little girl that wants her dad there, and I'm going to be there. Amen. I thank God for my, my wife as a mighty wife of, yeah, we're talking about men. Stay on topic, Spurgeon. Some have served and gone on and left us good examples. And I'm happy to report some are still in the battle. Here's something us old guys do. Sometimes we get the idea that Christianity, I mean, we're in an a, 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 a apostate church age. We know all that. Then it precedes the Lord's return. And sometimes we get the idea that, that uh, you know, it ain't long and we're the last man standing. And, and, you know, surely the Lord's coming back because, you know, the younger generation is, you know, more liberal and more, you know, kumbaya and all that. My words. And about two years ago, three years ago, maybe we took a trip out west. We were in Colorado and North Dakota, all the way to Portland, Oregon, before it was set on fire, I guess. I got a church there. I said, if, there's, if the town's still there, I'll come back, you know. But here's what I saw, and it impressed me. And, and it's, not, it's nothing new, but I saw it like on five occasions. I saw men under 40 years old some as young as 30, that had stepped up the plate, that were pastoring churches, that believed that book just like us. Now I'm an old-timer. I never thought I'd be an old-timer. But, uh, and I mean, I'd say, if the Lord tarries, Bible-believing Christianity is in good hands because there are some very much in the battle, and it encourages me. These two boys I've known since they were little kids, and I'm glad to see you faithful. Amen. And lots of others, too. And that's a blessing because the fight's not over till the Lord says it's over. And some have fought and gone on and left us good examples. But thank God, there's some still in the battle. And not only that, there's still some in training for the battle. 
there's a couple Bible institutes around the country that if somebody was to ask me what I would recommend, I got a couple names that I might direct the guy to, whether he could go there or whether he needed to take correspondence. I thank God for him. I, it's a crying shame that I only know of a couple. But I'll tell you what I do know. More men are being trained in their local church being trained in local church Bible institutes. And not only that, I mean, I know people that are light years ahead of their peers uh, because they're faithful to Bible studies. Amen. Where a preacher like yours will open the Word of God and, and commit to you uh, the Word of God so that you didn't just come and sing songs and learn about Jesus. I, amen. Uh, I'm talking about open that Bible and show you how to rightly divide the word of truth. And I realized a long time ago, if you just be faithful to church, every service, and you be faithful to Bible study opportunities that you have. Amen. Some schools have, some churches have a Sunday school hour. That's not for little kids. Amen. Unless you know everything. I, I have to go because I don't know much. But if you'll just go with a desire to hear from God, I mean, in a short time, you'll know more. And I'm not saying this to puff you up or to make you feel like you, uh, you'll know more Bible, which will make you a vessel meet for the master's use in a year or two than some people that sit in church for 20 years. And thank God sitting in church is better than sitting in the bar, sitting in front of the television. But Bible Christianity is exciting and there's so much more to it than so many ever avail themselves to. I'm glad God uh, uh, screwed me on to this. this. Okay, not screw. Okay, never mind. I'm glad God put me with this crowd of screwballs. (laughs) That's what I was trying to get in that. Amen. Mighty man. Amen. All right. Uh, some serving on some are still in battle. Some are in training. All right. Oh no, there's another page or two or three. Uh, take your Bible. Go to First Timothy chapter four. Now it does my heart no joy to read this verse to you. I'm sure Paul didn't like writing it. I'm sure the Lord didn't like putting his finger on it when the Holy Spirit said, "Yep, put that in there." First Timothy chapter four. In verse number one. Now the Bible says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Amen. If I depart, it means I was there. These are people, they're not heathens, they're not heretics. These are people that were in the faith, of the faith, walking in faith at one time, and they aren't anymore. Some, we're talking about mighty man, some have flat out defected. Now, I'm a veteran. That word traitor is not a popular word amongst my crowd. Amen? Deserter. And by the way, when you look at Hebrews 10, 25, it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You look up that word forsake. And one of the definitions of it is desert. Boy, when I saw that, I really, because I don't want to be associated with nobody that deserts in a time of battle. When I was in the military, that was an executionable expense. I, uh, 
offense, expense offense. You know, I wish somebody would have called me and asked me what I thought they should do with that Bergdahl bird. Amen. Some of you don't know who that is. I don't care. Uh, that guy defected and went to the Taliban. Amen. And, and, and got recaptured by your favorite, one of your favorite presidents. Okay. And, uh, and got rescued. And, uh, and they, I tell you what, man, if I'd have been in that unit, that guy should have been stood up before a firing squad Amen. and executed Amen. for Amen. putting his unit's uh, life in danger. Now, I'm a Christian, so I would say, listen, Bergdahl, Jesus died for your sin, and you need to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior because you're fixing to meet him. <laughs> Boom! Okay, that's just me. You can take a boy out of the country, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, all right, so, uh, amen. Uh, that's not a place you want to be. You don't want to be, you don't want to be ever. They were not, they weren't drawn away of their own lusts. That happens. But it says, uh, giving heed to seducing spirits. And it's still a spiritual thing. Amen. Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. You know what the danger of the age we live in? Stinking internet. There's guys out there, man, that are slick. I guarantee you, more smoother than I'll ever be. May, able to convince, won't never trip over their words or make mistakes or call out the wrong verse. I mean, just be as smooth and slick and they're educated. And you'll sit there and go, wow, he must be right. And he says, some of them are stinking devils. And I only bring it up because I go to churches and I see their influence. I'll go to a church, going to be at a church for a week and a pastor say, I got some new family over here, but I got a, I'm dealing with, you know, uh, uh, oh, I'm dealing with uh, working through this heresy that they're, you better be careful. Doctrines of devils didn't pass from the scene yet. Seducing spirits are out there more than ever, not less. And why it's important to what? Stay in the book, stay on your knees, and stay around other Bible believers. Amen. Amen. Not to, I cannot help myself but to say, and I will be very careful because I've learned that I need to be. Not only is there doctrines of devils and, and seducing spirits, but it's amazing to me, Christians that get hung up on the dumbest conspiracy theory stuff and listen I get it some of that stuff might be interesting but some people some Christians are spending more time reading on some of that stuff than they are reading their Bible that's out of order amen and I'm not even going to say what I was thinking because there might keep going Spurgeon (laughs) Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 We're talking about giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Peter wrote this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. If you're saved in here today, you've got a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Just like Pastor said, uh, says in a religion, I didn't get any religion either. Amen. I got a personal relationship with the Lord. 
But I got news for you. The day you entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ by putting faith in the finished work on Calvary, you entered into a personal relationship with the devil. So what do you mean? He didn't care much about you when you were lost. You were already on that way to the lake of fire. I'll mess with him when we get there. But boy, if you got the, you got the spirit of God inside of you, you have the potential to let other people know. Even the maniac Gadara was told to go home to thy friends and tell them what great things the Lord had done for thee and had that compassion on thee. And if you're saved, that's exactly what he did. And you've got the potential uh, to point other people away from the route they're going and the place they're headed and, and point them to the glorious cross. Amen. And the devil don't like that. And that's why Peter wrote, be sober, be vigilant. What does that mean? Don't drink. Be sober means be serious. Take, know when to take things serious. Amen. Be sober, be vigilant. What's that mean? Keep your guard up. Amen. If it says seeking whom he may devour, what well, doesn't that mean there's somebody that he may not? And the ones that he may not are the ones that are sober and vigilant. That's what the admonition is. This is so deep. This is so hard. Yeah, Brother Pat said he has letters after his name. I got something better than that. I got numbers. <laughs> Anthony, you're supposed to respond to that one. Amen. <laughs> I figured I'd get an amen over there at least. Amen. And uh, amen. <laughs> All right, so, Joel. Oh, this will be funny. Joel chapter 3. Let me read you a verse. I'll just, I'll read it. Joel chapter 3 and verse 9. Bible says this. Proclaim, proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. And I'm telling you something. There's some men that, that have saved and they know some things and they've participated in some campaigns, but, you know, they've been lulled to sleep. Amen. By the cares of this life. And uh, I, got, I got news for you. Uh, the battle is not over. Amen. And uh, we'll be the first ones to know when it is. We'll be like reverse paratroopers. We're going to start here and go up instead of come down. Amen. Uh, between now and then, some of them just need to wake up. Acts chapter 20, verse 9. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, see it's scriptural. As Paul was long sleeping, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. Well, at least he was in church. Maybe he worked a long day. Maybe he spent an hour in traffic. Some of you know what that's like. I'm going to give the guy credit for making it into the church house. Amen. He's usually preached the other way. Here this guy come to church and he went to sleep. Uh, some people would be better off uh, going to sleep in church rather than spend the whole hour looking at their stinking social media. Amen. I can't help myself. I love, Amen. I love Amen. doing Amen. it. So, and he fell, he fell asleep. Okay, I mean, I fell asleep once, so I ain't saying nothing. But, uh, but he fell, he fell, he's out there on the third floor. Probably not a good idea to be leaning toward an open window. But here's the reality of it. He fell asleep, he fell, he fell 
the way he was leaning, and it went out. I mean, if he had been sitting there on his bench or whatever and leaning in, if he fell, he'd have hit the floor and everybody would have laughed and he would be alive. Amen? Amen. You're going to fall the way you're leaning. You're going to have days. You're going to have days where you're weary. That's why the Bible says, let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. But you're going to fall the way you're leaning. You need to make a purpose in your heart to be leaning the correct way. Because then a brother will be able to help you out instead of running down and performing CPR and whatever else they did for this guy. And if Paul wouldn't have went down there, he'd he'd have stayed dead. Now, last of all, last kind of. Don't you hate it when a preacher does that? 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 8. The Bible says, Now therefore so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I'm going to tell you, this is a military principle and this is a biblical principle. If you're ever going to be a leader, you have to learn how to be a follower. That's a, and David, the, the chief, the commander of the mighty men, learned how to lead by submitting himself to his father and going to the place of service and then partaking of probably not a real exciting job walking around smelling sheep. But boy, Lord saw something there, saw something in his heart. I want people to show up at church. Well, I've, been, I've done this and I've done that and I have this degree and I've sang in this orchestra. What can I do? <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you what you do. Sit down and shut up. <laughs> yeah, and prove yourself to be a follower. Amen. Amen. And then let the Lord pick you. And he will. I got saved. I got saved in jail. I got, I was on a pre-sentence investigation for a year. <clears throat> and I got called to preach in the 11th month at a rescue mission in Dayton, Ohio, or Columbus, Ohio. We had uh, our Bible Institute would send students over there once a week to preach at the rescue mission, get a little practice. And, and I, wasn't a, I wasn't a preacher. I was going to school just to stay out of trouble, stay off the street. And uh, they said, nobody signed up for Saturday. Spurgeon, why don't you go over there? And I said, no, I'm not a preacher. But I got to give me a message. And I was, you know how young preachers are. Oh, look at, what I, look at what God showed me. And somebody said, why would God give you a message if he didn't want you to preach it? And I'm like dumb enough to say, yeah, why would he do that? So I went over there. And, uh, and I, I got a chance to preach that night. And God called me to preach. Amen. Amen. As a last thing Amen. I ever expected in a million years. Amen. I come back to the church. I'm getting ready to be sentenced to seven years federal. But I come back to the church and I says, uh, I says, preacher, you don't believe this. I got called to preach. And then a couple months later, I got probation. I said, all right, preacher, what can I do now? He said, sit down and shut up for five years. That's what he told me. So I'm this big biker guy on the street, this gang leader. Preacher's about five, six, power of God all over him. He said, David, you need to sit down and shut up. 
And I'm thinking, I have never let anyone talk to me like that in my entire life. <laughs> and I looked at this man who had been walking with God for 30 years, and I said, okay. And I did. He was off. It was like seven. I needed to sit down and shut up. He said, people don't need to know what you think. People need to know what God thinks. Amen. So sit down and learn the Bible. So that means I went to Bible Institute. Amen. But that's not all there is to learn in the Bible by far. That means I had to learn how to open it and read it on my own. I'm a bike gang guy. The only thing I ever read was a Harley manual, and most of that was diagnostics. I had to, I had to just determine to be faithful, to go to church whenever the church was meeting, and I learned. I learned a little bit, and I'm not the smartest guy in this room, but I know a little bit now, and it didn't come by osmosis. Amen? You got to learn to be a follower, and then God maybe will let you be a leader. And that, listen, let's face it. I mean, I'm not called to be a pastor. I was reading in my Bible this morning, he that desire desired the office of a bishop, desire a good thing. And, and I surrendered to serve. And I thought, I have never desired to be a bishop. He has not called me to be a pastor. He doesn't call us to be pastors. But everybody, but he does call us to be the spiritual leader of our homes. And that doesn't mean, bless God, I'm the man, you obey me. Yeah, that does not work too well in this day and age of females. And I got a feeling it never did. And I'm pretty sure that's not what God ever meant. Because to be a spiritual leader is you set the proper example. Amen? Amen. So now, for real, last of all, yeah, the mightiest man of all. Take your Bible, go to 42. Isaiah 42. <laughs> go to any of them, I don't care. They're all good. Isaiah 42. And read, let's read uh, verse 13. Verse 13, Isaiah 42, 13. The mightiest mighty man is, <laughs> is still alive and well and in the battle. And it says there, the Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. And that's who I want to be behind. Amen. I don't want him. I don't want to be a wall. I don't want him wondering where I am. He's going to go forth. He's going to lead. I want to follow. Amen. In uh, Exodus 32 and verse 26, then said Moses, who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. So if they didn't, so just Moses is saying, who is on the Lord's side? And then people, yeah. And then he said, let him come unto me. And don't you know, a bunch of them never budged. Amen. Amen. What does that mean? They're on the other guy's side. Absolutely. Maybe not even intentionally. But sometimes, oh, I'm saved. I don't do this anymore. I go to church once in a while. You're doing more for the wrong team than you think. Amen, amen. So let me just wrap it up. Are you a mighty man of God here this morning? You can be. He'll let anybody in. I know he will. And maybe you've got something that needs to be confessed. 
and repented of so that you can be. There's no better time. There's no better place. Amen. Maybe, uh, uh, you know, remember Mighty Men work as a team. Amen. And, uh, and maybe for this team thing to work, you mean to maybe search your heart and do some forgiving. I'm in churches where everybody's smiling on Sunday and Spurgeon's only going to be here a week. And, uh, and I find out there's aught. There's aught that keeps that, that church from working together for the cause of Christ in a community. Why do you think God put this church here in this community? Give you something to do? Heap? This tells me that the existence of First Bible Church of Matawan, is that how I said? It tells me that God put this church here because there's people in this area that God's interested in saving. Amen. And some of you are, may very well be the result of that. I preach in big cities that don't even have a Bible-believing work. And I preach in little towns on the backside of nowhere. And ain't much going on. I was in a church in Montana two weeks ago. And I needed to go to Walgreens. And I put it in my phone. And Walgreens was 83 miles away. (laughs) I didn't even know you could go that far without finding a Walgreens. Amen. And you know what happened on Tuesday night? Girl got saved. Amen. Amen. God's got a reason. He's not like us. He's got a reason for everything he does. Every once in a while, we might strike a good lick, but God, every time. That's right. Amen. Amen. So we need to be mighty men. We need to make sure we need to examine ourselves, search our hearts, and make sure there's nothing in us that might hinder us from being part of this work that God's doing. This is the most exciting thing in the world. People say Christianity's boring. They're not doing it right. People say Christianity's not fun. It'd be more fun if you'd confess your sins. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to heaven. Man, I'm already in heaven. I mean, in a way, I got a great life. Amen? Amen? Let's bow our heads.